to the elephant room. How are you? It's so nice to see you. Um, this space, I don't know, we've never really done a recap before, but this space is for the taboo. It's for the unspoken topics. It's for the difficult conversations that impact the Black community. And we look for ways in which to try to heal each other with each other. And um, it's not always easy to do that. And we want to start by kind of dissecting conversations that make it some, sometimes challenging to do that. And so I just want to welcome you into the room, welcome you to this conversation. My name is L.A. Wade, and this is my co-host. Mike Truth the Nomad, a.k.a. Boogie McCab, but today y'all could call me Boogie. Okay. Hey, C. Will, nice to see you in the room today. Um, we hope you all had a good week. I, my week was um, really insightful, I would say. I have had a lot of difficult conversations this week, and I've learned so much. So I'm so grateful because I want to be able to take what I've learned and share it with you and, and see it real time in these conversations that we're having here online. What about you, Mike? Yeah, likewise. I think when my week started, I um, asked God for understanding and um it's one of those things where you got to really be in tune. Like, be careful what you ask for because, like, how it comes is basically different. So, like, I was very blessed with, um, like, different opportunities to get more clarity and understanding. So, like, it was, it was good in that sense. Nice. Shannon, how about you? How was your week? It was long, but I made it. <laughs> it was well, a long week? It was a long week, sister. Oh, no. Hi, Tracy. Well, I'm sorry if long means negative long. And, you know, maybe we'll, you'll share some of that interaction because mostly long means a lot of interaction, which is what today is about. Today's topic is about dissecting black female interactions. Mm -hmm. And so that's, um, there's two women right now on the panel. Tracy, if you would like to join the room, we would be happy to hear your perspective on, um, on black female interactions, since uh, it looks like you are a black female based on your picture. <laughs> That's one of my favorite people. She is absolutely a black woman. Okay. So in looking at the, the dissecting and breaking down black female interactions, we want to specifically look at the relationship we have with ourselves, the relationship that we have with um, another black woman, the relationship we have with black men, mm the relationship we have with white women and white men, and and even like how we navigate the systems that are institutions that we, we do. Like when we're at work, I work in the education system. I have a very specific interaction being a black woman at work. Um, when I go to my son's school and I represent being his mother, talking to the teachers and how that feels. So a lot of that will, will come out in what we're talking about. There's Kira. I'm Thank so sorry, I'm late. I'm in the elevator. I see. We can all see. You got a great cell phone reception. Yeah, you have great cell phone reception in your elevator. Awesome. <laughs> That's okay. No problem. Um, I was just in, like breaking down what we're going to be talking about. So specifically, um, we want to engage you in your own personal interactions as black women, as well as any anecdotes that you can share from other women, black women that you know. We don't want to speak for people, but you know, we all have girlfriends that have the same validated um, that we have, so we can 
share some of their stories as long as it's not TMI. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could be. It could be, who Mike says. <laughs> but so what I want to ask as a first kind of engagement point is um, jumping off of blind spots because Mike and I actually broke down the conversation that Kinte and I had on our last podcast. That there were some things that we, if I give us a visual, that's kind of how it felt. Like we were in many parts, when I look back at it, we were actually saying the same thing, but we were missing each other. And so we want to be able to try and see if we can make a connection with the things that we're saying. So in order to do that, we have to also recognize at some point when we're having blind spots. And so Shakira, you can put it on, put us on mute until you're more settled, and then that way you can engage us. Okay, give me one minute. <laughs> no worries. So my question, Shannon, is did you ever have a blind spot that you became aware of, and how did it uh, impact you? Can you share the insights that you had as a result of learning this? Um, when I was younger, um, I used to get the um one of my bible study leaders said i had a way with speaking the truth and it always wasn't in love so one day we were in bible study and i wasn't trying to be mean i was just speaking the truth and i guess it was too sharp um and it and i was like okay And from that point, I made a conscious effort to be mindful about how I speak to people and to be mindful to speak the truth in love because I did did have a sharp tongue. Well, so you recognize that you, so it wasn't really a blind spot. You just felt that you were just sharing the truth. So there was nothing. When she recanted recanted what I said um, or when she repeated what came out of my mouth and I was like, oh, did I say it like that? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, again I was just I mean I was it was just matter of fact for me it's like the truth is the truth I mean there is no substitute for the truth right. um, but there's always a way to speak the truth without killing people so I find it really interesting what you're saying because I often I've not as much now but I've been I've heard that in my life too where I just say something and I'm matter of fact do you feel as though men get a pass where they're able to say things matter of fact and it's just taken as matter of fact whereas when we say it we're angry or we're being emotional or we're being something about the way that we're sharing this information i would even go to the extent of saying it about men i mean i work in an office with all women and i was just telling one of my staff that if this had been coming from someone who didn't look like me there would be no problems but because it's coming from me, there seems to be a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be men. I mean, it, it, it's just the culture that we live in. Um, we get the stereotype of being angry, got an attitude, um, blunt, too emotional, uh, or the extreme, stuck up, conceited, whatever, whatever. But let it be someone else. Oh, she's spicy or... Oh, she's just, you know, asserting herself. I mean, why are there always negative connotations when we do it, um, but not when other people do it? Right. And I mean, that's, hey, Shakira, welcome back. Thank you. 
Did you hear the question? No, what was the question? Um, we were talking about um, a time where you have maybe had a blind spot in, in your interactions with people, and then somehow you have an aha moment and you recognize that blind spot and how you dealt with it. And, and so um, Shannon was just sharing that she used to say things in a particular way and that it was for, other, for the other person received as quite sharp that, and only when it was mirrored back to her did she say, ooh, I guess when I said that, it kind of was a little bit prickly. But then I also offered that um, sometimes men, I said black men are able, or men, and, and Shannon corrected me to say, or um, advised me that men in general might have the privilege of being able to speak without having that same label label placed on them. So when they speak, they're just speaking. But when we speak, we are the angry black woman or we are emotional or whatnot. Or complaining, yeah. And you didn't have to respond because Michael was actually going to um, say something in, result, in, in yeah. response to Shannon. Uh, well, yeah, actually, um, thank you so much for that. I, cause, so first of all, my whole goal in this conversation here as a man, my, I, I'm here, to, I'm trying to understand um, you know, like, like different points, points where I could come into conversations and better understand um, mm -hmm. women with whom I'm, I'm interacting. So mm -hmm. you mentioned the angry black woman stereotype that goes around. I want to know, like, how that is experienced um, from the, from you guys. So in, individually, like from your from your purview, what do you think might be contributing to to that? What why would a person if you were to basically like be on the outside of yourself, why would a person basically um, assume or presume you are being angry? Shakira, if you want to answer. Sorry, go ahead, Shannon. Um, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Shannon. Sorry. <laughs> this is not going to be the Shannon show. Um, <laughs> well, I've never really had the stereotype as an angry Black woman because I tend to always have a smile on my face. However, yeah, I agree. I'm a caveat. I did recently find out that one of my coworkers called me a sociopath. Wow. 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 And what color is your your coworker? None of the, I'm the only black person at my job. So. Yikes. Yikes. I'm wow. so sorry. Yeah, that's awful. And <laughs> I was tickled by it. Um, and then I went through a myriad of emotions at that point because I was like, <sighs> whatever. But I just think it's funny that people label you something because they can't get in your circle or mm -hmm. um, you don't share your business. Like I'm in upper management. So there's no room for me to engage my staff outside of work. Um, we don't hang out together. We don't go catch a movie or good drinks. And this person that referred to me as a sociopath is also in upper management. And she tends to fraternize with her staff. And so um, it kind of put me off because it was like in the environment that we work in, our, our job and our role is to empower other women. And yet oh, wow. we're cutting down each other. Um, mm -hmm. So, 
you know, I will eventually address it because I'm also the the company snitch, I guess, because I always correct behavior at work. And I don't care. It's like, if you're not doing your job, you will know about it. And that's just it. We, we're the only one of our kind in the county spanning 125 miles. We can't afford to be mediocre. So if you're going to be mediocre, go up to the mainland and work at Walmart. Don't do that here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Shakira, what were you going to say? Uh, it's interesting because I, I've been having a lot of experiences where I, I realize more as I'm getting older, I feel like I understand more when people are, are saying things that are kind that maybe race, uh, racialized or racist. Like yesterday we got into, I was doing grocery shopping and like we went to Costco and then we went to no frills. So me and my boyfriend and like our son was there. So he was pushing the cart and I walked ahead. There were two carts blocking the way. So my boyfriend says, oh, excuse me. So one person moves their cart, but still one person's blocking the way. So he says, like, in a non-confrontational way, like, he just says, excuse me, again. And, like, she, she looks at him, and then she scoffs, and, like, she's just so angry. And then I'm like, all he's asking is for you to excuse him and move out of the way. Oh, well, maybe I didn't hear. Like, she was so fast to, to um, escalate. And then it got even further than that where she, she walked away talking to whoever she was with saying, um, oh, that's how they are. Oh, that's how they are. Okay. But, but to try and clarify, uh, and I'm not trying to woman's blame for, for Mike, <laughs> but I think he's asking us why, what is it about? I mean, there's obviously things that are just racist and that. Yeah. Hi, Candace. Hi guys. I Hi. How are you? I don't know if you can, I don't even know if you can see me. Sorry. Yeah, we can see you. Okay. Oh, okay. Hi guys. <laughs> okay. So what I wanted to clarify or and you can correct me if I'm wrong is that we're expressing ourselves and yes there is a lot of times a racist connotation that's placed on us. So he, I don't mm -hmm. think that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But there could also be times that we're articulating ourselves that is being received in a certain way that maybe he's trying for us to like turn ourselves around and be on the receiving end of how we speak to hear why we may get labeled the way that we get labeled. Um, so if I'm being labeled angry, can I turn around into the, to the eyes of the per or the ears of the person who I'm speaking to and hear? Kind of like how Shannon said she was speaking and when it was said back to her, she could hear the curtness in how she was talking to the person mm -hmm. and thus recognize where she was um, maybe short with that person. Mm -hmm. So I know for okay. me, yeah, I know for me that I, I'm very, I try to be very assertive and I recognize mm -hmm. that when I'm being assertive, I hear that more so 
than when I'm playing like really humble and trying to be in this role of supporting the person in what they're saying. But the minute that mm-hmm. I try to stand up for myself, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. I often hear that I'm being angry or don't, I, the, the way your tone is, is, um, is, is negative or it's negatively impacting the relationship. And for me, I feel like I'm always talking the same. So I haven't had, I haven't had that aha moment, I guess. So maybe it's still a blind spot for me where I'm saying something, but I, I am around a lot of, there's a lot of males in upper management. And so I interact with a lot of males. And so I feel like I'm imitating how they talk to me. And I can't be in a role of submission when I'm speaking to them because that's my equal. So, but I'm very quickly realizing that the the terms of engagement are not the same. When I speak, it's different. And I don't know if it's much about how I present. I don't know. What do you think? Go ahead, Shakira. No, no, I I don't. I, I, I understand where you're coming from and I share that um, I don't really recognize, like I'm kind of, I'm not an aggressive person, so I speak very timidly at times with people. So I haven't experienced like being called the angry black woman. Mm. Um, the closest I can think of is like when someone told me that I, needed to smile more yeah it was strange <laughs> shannon you're smiling already at that statement <laughs> what, does, what does that bring up for you um i just laughed because a guy at home depot always says every time i come in there he's like do you do anything but smile that's why i just laugh that's all <laughs> because you would think that the smile is actually disarming but if I say what I mean and I happen to smile when I say it, maybe it gets heard a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, I could be seen as being aggressive because mm-hmm. of what I'm saying. Yes, Dre, as snarky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Tracy who mentioned earlier about being, she's being labeled as confrontational and thus the angry black woman. I feel yeah. like every time I engage from a place of, I, I need to say what I need to say, it's automatically seen as confrontational and not taken for what I'm actually talking about, which maybe um, the men can give us insight as to what that is in regards to like Shakira talking about the um, speaking timidly. I feel like we, uh, we unconsciously uh, start to walk out the ideas of white female respectability. And we often hear about black men saying that we are, we are angry and that that's why we're with white women because you guys are too this or too that. And so I think some of us has turned into um, mimicking or acting in a particular way that is non-threatening, thus doing our own shine to make somebody feel more comfortable. Um, Dre is saying, there is a rhetoric that if a man is offended when a woman, black woman, speaks in a way that he feels is disrespectful, then that man is either weak or they can't handle a strong black woman. See, 
Dre needs to be somebody's baby daddy because that's exactly <laughs> the kind of person I personally would want to be with because there's an understanding. <laughs> uh oh, Shannon, are you are you throwing that towel in the ring? <laughs> no. I wasn't ready for that. What's been your experience as you've worked in a lot of um, corporations? where you've interacted and seen a lot of male-female dynamics? Hmm. Well, I feel like um, uh, in those dynamics, women are almost like silenced. Like they don't want to say anything because they don't want to ruffle the feathers. Do you know what I mean? They don't want to push the, any boundaries because they don't want to get pushback because then later on they're going to just feel bullied in certain, like, because there's a lot of social yeah. settings that happen within the corporate world as well, right? Okay. So mm -hmm. I feel like they just rather go home uh -oh. and then- What's happening? And spending the whole night thinking about it or writing it down or journaling about it. And then they gotta go back and they just have to be, you know, prim and proper and not say anything and um, just get the job done. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's Absolutely. almost, it's, it's almost like, I don't even know how to articulate it, but I remember reading this book growing up by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm sure everybody knows that yeah. book. Um, and it's almost like they have to spend so much energy trying to um, get their boss or the men that are in the decision-making roles to come around and think that the decision is there. They're making the decision on their own and it's not the subordinate, you know, subordinate woman making the decision. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Um, as C. Will says, I know a few intelligent black women who act like ditzy white girls. I feel they do this um, to be seen as easy to get along with. Tracy says mm -hmm. some women are like that in relationships. They cower down to keep peace. So mm -hmm. not that you're the, the advocate of black men, mm -hmm. but... <laughs> What, what would be some of the, the understanding? How would we be able to begin to have that dialogue and interaction with ourselves about that dynamic? I think that um, when it comes to communication, there's so many different um, layers to it in regards of um, so intent, uh, the tonality, and, and um, all these other things that are involved. And in society, um, in white patriarchal um, like uh, society, there's a certain hierarchy that that's placed. And so whenever you, you are addressing somebody in terms of um, dominant versus um, subordinate, there's a certain like expectation. So men are, are, are supposed to be like in patriarchal society to be, you know, dominant. We're meant to be dominant. And women are, are like in patriarchal society are like, not that I agree with it, are meant to be in, in a much more um, subordinate position. So that, it conflicts with, I think, the human experience, which is we're all, you know, meant to have our own, you know, say. And so when a woman finds that there's a conflict between what society has imposed, and this is, I don't want to mansplain, I believe that what's going on is that, that there's a certain resistance. And like, if a man, you know, feels like, hey, how come you are talking to me with, with such tone? You should basically know your place in society. 
that's where it's like um I think a lot of um the conflict that we experience comes from. So usually with with that premise, when a woman is um speaking her mind, like most males that are not, you know, like I, I would say probably like not in tune complete with themselves, they may get a bit offended because you're not really supposed to speak out of out of turn, out of order. You're disrupting the norm. So mm-hmm. I that um, when the, the, the tone that basically we use, so when it goes from, you know, calm to high, and the reason why I say high is because maybe sometimes most women are not understood when they are being, being, uh, they're speaking. So maybe like the tonality might go up. When that occurs, like most males may perceive that as a threat to patriarchy. So therefore, it's like you are not being a subordinate, a subordinate, and I think that's what um that that might be. But doesn't that lie in like the perception mm-hmm. of of that person? Like we all like I may say something to one person, and I don't mean it in a way that they perceive it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like, happens all the time. A thousand percent, and I think. Um, <laughs> Wait, wait, come that. <laughs> What's that, Shannon? I caught that. That happens what? all the time. Oh, yeah. no. That's funny, though. No, I wasn't saying it towards Mike. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it. Uh, <laughs> you could be starting a whole World War Three, and you don't even know. <laughs> no, no, perception and, like, and everything. That's how sometimes, like, like um, Shakira mentioned, uh, perception has a lot to do with it because I think in communication, first the um, the giver has the their intention that they have, so they give mm-hmm. the information out, and then the receiver on the other end of it, they have the whole life experience that they've been through, and the information goes through that filter of life experience and is received in a certain way, and so mm-hmm. that perception or the like the reality that they're receiving, and then it's either hey, oh I understand. I highly disagree, and I know that we, we, we retaliate. And I think that um, when, when we talk about perception, I think that we, we don't convert from a place of empathy. So therefore, like, I have, like, my own stuff that I want to um, say or speak, and she has her own stuff that she may want to say, say or speak. So if I'm not in a place of trying to bridge that gap to understand, then we're completely missing each other com- completely. And so I think... Mm-hmm. A lot of our lapses come, but I I want to bring the conversation back to it to you females. Um, what do you guys? What do you ladies think? Well, actually, I wanted to to say speak to Dre's point here of that is the foundation of communication. Effective communication knows their audience, and so if I look, look at that point in conjunction with um, your point, Mike, about uh, sorry, Boogie, about um, where that men might seem to understand where the woman's role is, then mm-hmm. already she's disrupting that because the rules don't apply in that effective communication tool. If we know who our audience is, if I'm speaking to a subordinate that happens to be a male, then I, I speak to him accordingly. But because he's male and he's my subordinate, he might then start to say, you're acting angry, you're, you're being over-emotional, you're doing this, but really I'm speaking based on effective communication to the person that I'm speaking to. 
Um, so it's all the ways in which that is not um, coming forward. We can't just rely on the, the norms of effective communication. I don't feel as black women, as, a black, as, a, as my black female um, experience, mm -hmm. my interactions are not taken at face value. It's loaded with my race, with any other intersection that nobody likes to talk about, but they're real. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, people are rolling their eyes to inter intersections and things like that. And I think it's the way that it's taken up. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. if I'm a black woman who may have a learning disability, who may have been through emotional trauma, who may be in a financial or socioeconomic status, my, my ability to interact is going to be seen and, and I'm, I'm going to experience it from my intersections, whereas the effective communication that is the norm would have me not show up as an assertive Black woman who knows what she wants based on those intersections. How can I possibly be doing the right thing by showing up that way? I'm breaking the rules right away because somebody who isn't in a good position of power and socioeconomically disenfranchised how could I possibly articulate myself in a way that preferences what I want and be assertive in that situation? It's, it's almost seen as not normal. Mm -hmm. uh, Shannon, um, like, uh, you, you look like you, you, you had something to say. Um, was there a point that, that you're trying to bring up? I was actually reading. I had something to say. I always have something to say, but um, and, uh, I think... The, the, Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I see that C. Will posed a very good um, um, so oh, question. I think she was coming to an awareness of what she was maybe going to say before oh, we jump to C. Will. I'm sorry about that. Yes, China. No, no, no. <laughs> you were more than welcome to continue. But the only thing I was going to say is I think that I had commented off of what Dre said in the chat um, about effective communicators. Um, yeah, they do know their audience, but they know their audience in a contextual format of right relationship. Mm. I think that we have lost the art of relationship and that's whether it's working, platonic, romantic. If you don't know um, how to get into right relationship with someone, getting to know them, learning how they communicate, you know, expressive, your, you know, your communication style or whatever happens in that relationship, um, and not imposing what you think their roles are on them, unless of course it's a working relationship and you do have, you know, what the expectations are, but even that becomes a, something of, this is what is the expectation, expectation, this is what you'll get from me as an employer or a supervisor, mm -hmm. and still being able to merge those ideas and continue in a relationship that allows you to communicate and to be heard and to listen to and create that safe space. I think we've lost the art. Of right relationship, um, mm -hmm. lol, and then you know IDK people, and I'm like, what is why? Why are we doing this? Why are we becoming these people? Mm -hmm. um, no, I think that's where the most art is. So that's it. Make some good points. There's a lot of good points there. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with that, and also um, they, they agree. I agree with thousand percent with that. But um, they, I I want to kind of briefly touch on this. See what. He uh, made a very, a very good um, question. He said, um, 
So first, he said, true, some men feel threatened when you speak from their level of authority. To me, it stems from insecurity in their, in their own power. This in regards mm -hmm. Uh, it, this is regards to what this in regards to suppose equal in the workplace. In the workplace, I'm sorry about that. Um, and then he proceeds to ask the following question: How about when you interact with other women of color at work? Um, how are those interactions um, like, um, Candice? Um, mm -hmm. Like, how how are your interaction with um, women of color at work? Other women of color at work. A better, oh, sorry, mm -hmm. not a better question, but Candace is, is a woman of color mm -hmm. and not necessarily identifies as a black woman specifically. So mm -hmm. it's more so how does, how is it that your interactions with black women, how do you receive it? I guess mm -hmm. is a better, not a better, but um, maybe a, a specific question to you in particular. How do I receive it? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like in the power dynamic or in <laughs> when team building yeah. where I, I actually um I've never had let me just see that's totally putting you on blast by the way like yeah. no no that's okay that's okay but I want to think about it speak you know not just like I'm trying to sit yeah. with it for a second right um, because, because have I been in a situation where I feel felt I think I have in when it comes to I've been in a lot of um, environment and like working settings where there's a lot of Indian women and they don't see me as being Indian enough to be a part of or come to something that they're doing. And I've, I've kind of like felt, um, I mean, that's the only dynamics that I can see with, with Indian women, but I, have, I haven't really had any um, where I, f I felt like I haven't been included or we haven't been able to get the task done. Is that kind of what you're asking? Um, more so, ha do you work with black women? Have you ever worked with black yeah. women in the past? And yeah, has there, have you, how has that um, interaction been? Well, I've always had really, I've never had any, uh, it's more been the only interactions when I've, that I've had struggling has been in, in the academic world. With black women, with black women, yeah, in in the academic world, or you know, um, but I've never had any kind of hard interactions within the in the corporate. world. Oh well, please speak. I have interactions in the academic. <laughs> One second, Shakira, please speak to the academic world, um, because that's something that we can all learn from. Um, and I know, and well, and you can like you know wave a, a flag that says I don't feel comfortable saying this. No, 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 no. I feel comfortable because this is what, I mean, we have to get uncomfortable in this conversation in order to get anywhere. So this is the time to, to, to have some growth in it. Okay. Iron out the bumps. But in the academic world, I think that, especially when I was doing my undergrad at U of T um, and being a part of TYP, um, which is a, a program, an access program to, into the university. Oh, Right before the I'm so mad. Get vocal. I know. Like I was like in there, like waiting. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So okay. Can I, can I answer this question? Okay, quick? Shakira. What were you gonna say? Um, <laughs> I was gonna say. Okay, so I. 
I've had experiences like not not really in the work field but in public with other black women like I I'm a kind of person I see another black person I want to smile at them and like I want them to you know smile back or like a head nod or something I just want us to acknowledge each other and I understand that not everyone feels that way but like I've gone to stores I've gone to the bank for example and there was a white cashier or a bank worker and a black bank worker and I went to the black person because that that seemed like a natural thing to do but she gave me the most attitude for absolutely no reason and I'm like but I chose you like I wanted to you know have that kinship with my people and like you're coming back at me with all this aggression for no reason mm. and I've had a lot of experiences like that with other black women and like it it really bothers me because I feel like we've we've gone through so much we should be more united with each other and not so like ready to attack another black person but then like i see other interactions how they interact with white people and they're all like happy and i'm like i don't like I don't, what is that explain right. it to me because i hate it well that's an interesting thing that you're saying in relation to something dre said a little bit earlier about um, uh, if a black woman is having that experience with other black pe woman, women, then why, how could they, how can black men also not feel that same threatened experience that you just had with that black woman? And mm -hmm. I think it speaks to the fact that we're both, black women and black men are both in similar positions of, of power and, um, and, and we have individual pains, but we all are, we're both kind of occupying a similar space. And it seems as though we are lashing out on one another. But when we speak to someone like Candace or somebody not calling you out, Donald, but like Donald, we may be better behaved, so to speak. Um, which if you're as a black person recognizing that, you may be insulted by that to be like, yo, you just talk to me a certain way and I see you and talking to you. like he's all exactly. perfect. Or I'm talking to Todd like he's wonderful and can do no wrong, but you have aggression towards me. Like, me, exactly. Y'all got all these hands. Look, all of y'all, no matter what color, y'all can all get these hands. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> the elephant that I'm noticing. So, like, is it truly like a myth, this black, I guess, aggression that, that people speak about? Is it a myth or is it fact, that, like, reality? Um... I believe it's fact. I believe it's reality. I've experienced it. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. Like, that was the question. Like... Yeah. So Tracy's saying, I experienced the same. I'm black with fair skin, green eyes, and long hair. I get so much negativity from my black sisters than other races. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I personally think there's some kind of self-hatred thing going on there. Why women do exactly. that. Exactly. But... See, that's what assholes. <laughs> Go ahead. I have felt I have felt that when we're going back to I, I'm back, by the yes, way. Yes, welcome back. back. <laughs> that, um, was it Tracy that just made that comment yes. about the green eyes and the long hair? Yeah. Because um I just want to bring that especially back back to because there's a lot of 
like within the Caribbean communities, obviously there's lots of black women that are half Indian and half black. And that as in the academic, that's how I felt. I get treated differently because I've got these like green eyes and this long hair and this long hair. So and you're racially ambiguous. Yes. <laughs> but I don't, I'm going to totally throw this off topic because just for a second, because I wanted to go back earlier because I wanted to say something earlier when we were talking about, um, um, I can't remember what we're talking about, but I wanted to bring up something about, about culture and about Canada, because I know we have a lot of people on here that are from the U.S. Right. And last night I was having a really interesting conversation about how, um, with somebody that has just come from Brazil and is now come to, to Canada. And they said to me that uh, they had an experience because they had just gone to a club where the women were in one side of the room and the men were in the other side of the room. And I thought, well, where did that come from? And he's like, he it's said like to me, just feel- yeah, it's kind of like high school, but he said he, he feels that a lot, even within his workplace. And he works for a big bank called like a Royal bank, which is like a big corporation. And he finds that women and men are very separated in, in, within the office setting, too. So I just wanted to also pose that. He also said that he feels that Canadian women, because we started getting on this, uh, his inter- experiences with dating Canadian women versus dating Latin American women, um, that he finds that we don't say we don't speak up we don't say anything we just like kind of like are very quiet we're too nervous to push the boundaries um just i just wanted to bring that into the conversation because i have i think a culture has a lot to do with these dynamics in each country do you know what i mean this power dynamics because i feel like this has a lot to do with power dynamics it has a lot to do with power dynamics but there is a colorism aspect um that we've internalized as black people that the closer you are to white, the better you are. And so, mm-hmm. um, so there's a, and there's a, a resentment, there's a hurt there that mm-hmm. can be addressed in a way that maybe like Mike's saying, we don't address people with empathy, not even to say that you mm-hmm. have an opinion of, you might be living your life based on just being a woman. And so it doesn't matter the colorism, but the construct of white supremacy and colonialism has it that we operate within that that um, framework. And so mm. as a woman that's uh, lighter skinned, race, racially ambiguous with green eyes, you will be privileged or preferenced in a particular um, space if the men that you're mm-hmm. engaging with are in an unawareness as to who they are and what they've done um, historically to women that don't look like you. Um, and they almost pin it in a sense that you're better. And so can you imagine a woman who's not you having to show up and speak assertively about her worth to that person who automatically is discounting her because she doesn't look like someone like you or somebody in that colorism sphere? It's quite painful. Yeah. It's really painful. Um, Shannon or Shakira, did you want to speak anything to that? Shannon, you can go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I was just reading, and I kind of I was getting ready to ask for clarification from Donald about what he disagrees with. Um, no, go by all means, Shakira. Oh yeah, Donald, please tell us what you disagree with. Yeah, 
all, all of, of it? All of what we're saying? So, but in my like, I've had that experience, like where people just it's, it's a real thing. Even like with black men, like I feel like we're so disconnected with each other. I I think it's hard for men to talk to other men. It's hard for women to talk to other women. Like I can't have friends because like I don't know how to approach my own people and like be accepted. And then I'm either being judged by, they may not say it, but you'll hear it down the road. You're judged on, oh, the color of your skin or, oh, I, I'm acting like I think I'm too nice because of the way that I look. Like this is, it's, it's a real thing. It's very real for me. But we also don't want to get into a position of retreat here. We're just sharing yeah. our experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, a white male has expressed that it's based on assumptions and um, okay i didn't know that well it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what there, there's another there's an elephants come on top of elephants in in our room and yeah. so i just we need to tease it apart a little bit and say that when women are speaking about their experiences um while you may disagree you may want to validate what they're expressing as their experience before you just dismiss it and say that it doesn't, it's not, it's not right. true for you. So therefore it's not true. Um, and that's the problem. That is the problem across the board in yes. all facets. Yeah. Um, There's four women talking about it right here. <laughs> I, I want to pose a question and I, I, maybe this is the elephant in the room and I don't, I, maybe this is going to sound Go ahead with it. Know, one bias, but you just said, you know, I could de definitely see that resentment for um, a black woman to be resentful to a, towards a woman with light, ha light hair and, and green eyes. But what can that other person do to make that person more comfortable? What can they do so that they can alleviate that? Like, I mean, that's the question. Meaning I like, for you, like, how could you receive? Yeah, like, how could that person, that especially person. in that setting, if we're talking about any type of setting, and there's that resentment because of this whole beauty myth, because of this whole, you know, I mean, we can go back to the historical uh, beauty myth of, and the historical of colonization and all, all this stuff. I mean, now we're today. So how does that person, you know, who does have green eyes and long, and long hair, how, how do they, how are they supposed to act? They're supposed to be themselves. There's nothing that's that you themselves. Exactly. I mean, but there's so you much are who you are. Um, because it's funny because last night when I was having this all this whole conversation with this gentleman who was from Brazil and I was had my girlfriend over here who's from Ecuador that owns two gyms and she said to me you know what Candace I have three children and I'm so nervous and scared to say anything wrong especially when I'm around people of color around black people around you know mothers and parents and kids I don't even know what to say I feel like I should just don't want to say anything at all well so, and i was like no <laughs> that's how i feel all the time yeah. i know so what where how do we move forward how do we i mean you know <laughs> i'm sorry no that's what i'm thinking it's fine it's fine i mean the first thing we have to recognize is that there's nothing that we can do specifically we have a right to show up in the world the way we're showing up in the world um being aware that this construct and framework exists is really important and so it helps us with empathy it helps us address one another 
from a place of, of understanding and um, recognizing that if women are having an experience because of you just being in the room, there's nothing that you can do about that. Um, when you over time, you can show them through the things that you say that you are an ally, that you are in solidarity. But that's not something that's just going to pop up in any one interaction. Uh, mm -hmm. Over time, people will get to see how you flex. They see um, how you be in this world, and they can choose whether to align with that or not. Um, and mm -hmm. there's nothing really outside of being yourself that you can do in that situation. They're gonna. They interact with me because I'm a black woman with dreadlocks because that's how I look. And whatever assumptions to Donald's point that people have about that is what's going to show up in, in our interaction. Um, I have a responsibility too to recognize that this construct exists and that I'm being maybe triggered by seeing you or interacting with you or if, um, if you were Mike's type, Boogie's type and me and Boogie had a thing, but he was giving you this kind of attention that might hurt my feelings because I'd be like, yo, it's because she's light-skinned. And that will build up in a, a resentment. But it's for me to understand that maybe a guy who's like that in this in this example mm -hmm. will even be for me because you want what's for you. You don't want a man that's exactly. you like you're not good enough. So that's definitely exactly. I would want to be with that would make me feel insecure or uncomfortable about being who I am. Um, I would say mm -hmm. that for sure. Tracy J says, be ourselves. People need to receive people for who they are, where they are, and not from what they perceive or what someone else has said. Um, and then Shannon said, but we also well have said. to be intentional about getting out of our comfort zones. Engage people who don't look like you, live like you, mm -hmm. talk like you, mm -hmm. and dare to get to know mm -hmm. someone who is different from you better. So mm -hmm. I all of that. All of that makes sense to me. What's coming up for you, Boogie? Um, I mean, I think these are very valid points. Um, I think that's the ultimate goal for all of us is to be. And um, now in that, there's a lot of um, internalized um, discriminations that, pe that people with either different skin tones or different racial backgrounds have you know, um, suffered. And I think it's very nice. It, I think what, what we lack is the practicality, like the how to be. This is funny because I mean we're all saying just be, just be, but then um, how yeah. how can we be when you know there is a whole lot of um, obstructions in the way society is constructed? They like, mm -hmm. not only can how can we be, but especially when we have to go into these settings. Like it's funny. Yesterday, someone said to me, you know, because I'm gonna I'm going in for you know the third interview with this huge corporate company, and she said to me, Try not to try to look as less ethnic as possible, because mm. we started going on to the website. We started looking mm. at. We started researching the panel of executives that I'm going to meet with, um, and she's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like Candace, tie your hair back. You know, you know, look as less ethnic as you as possible because you want to fit into that corporation. Mm. So when we have to like get into these positions, I know that's hard to hear. And at first, I was like, I wanted to really just you know, snap. But at the end of the day, this is the this is kind of what people are kind of, are thinking because they want to get into these spaces, you know, you, you know, and make a difference. But you almost in order to get into in you have to you gotta do be white. things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, unless that place is doing affirmative action, I, I just want to point out that you have a huge privilege in being able to become more ethnic or less ethnic. <laughs> People like myself or Shannon or maybe even Shakira. Yeah, I can't, I can't become I less ethnic. The least ethnic I will get. Like, uh, My name <laughs> is a variation of what I'm going to be That's ethnic. The best we can do is change our name. But it's a, I know that was a dumb thing to say, but I mean, I'm, that's that's the things that I'm hearing out there in the world because I think it's important to listen to your culture and listen to what people are saying, and so that I can, you know, that you can address it. Yeah, I mean, look so, at people with um, what you, with really diverse names, and then they like somebody has a different name from their culture, and then they become Bob or or, or George. This mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. love. Um, even as a woman abbreviating my name to LA while you know me and experience me as a woman, if nobody knows anything about me and I just, you just see LA Wade, a lot of people have assumed that that's a man. Um, yeah. Is corresponding with them just by virtue of my name. So I actually italicize it in my, um, in my signature just to, you know, throw people off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to get hung up on when I was in high school and college. Um, even by family, they used to think I was a white telemarketer. Um, oh yeah, and so I mean, Boogie I mean, Shannon, it definitely it could be unisex and it can be multi-racist, mm -hmm. but it was because of how I how I talked on the phone, and they'd be like, "Why do you have to talk so proper when you call people?" And I'm like, "This is the way I speak. This is me." <laughs> This is who I am. Yeah. You don't have to like it, but don't hang up on me no more. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, like, I like the, the, the flow of the conversation. It's, it's very positive. However, right. though, like, the biggest elephant that I'm noticing is that, like, we, so we we're able to come into these spaces and we're very positive. However, though, our interactions sometimes, especially to bring it back to the female experience, sometimes it can be very, very, I've noticed some, a lot of females go through a very hard time like black black women in interacting with other people like like around them there is this um almost this block so kind of to kind of gear um a bit back towards the conversation of um dissecting black women's um co um interaction i wonder like what are some like individually if you could share what are some proper points of entry into conversations where um you know like you may not feel either like um like like attacked or offended it, it, like, what are some some proper points of um, entry into conversation, um, Shakira? Like, how? I'm not sure how to. I'm not sure I understand the question. I I, I think I can help. Maybe. Um, we'll see if I can help. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you were wondering how to engage a black woman. Uh, into in a conversation so that it doesn't um, bring That's up fine, yeah. bring up offensiveness or you feel like you're on the ropes. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's all in the way that you approach the woman um, and your own intentions should be able to come through in the way that you're engaging her. So if something about the way you're engaging her, yes, Donald, carefully, very carefully. <laughs> I don't know what that's loaded as well, but I'm I'm gonna let that one slip for now. Um, I want to see the comments. Can I see while I'm yeah, on where here? Are these comments? Here, um, so from left to right. 
Yeah. Left to right. Oh, okay. Donald, Kinte, Tracy. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's so, open. So, so I think it's a well, I I think it's about how you approach her. Um, and it depends on the Oh, there they. I, it depends. I think it depends on the seriousness or the the topic that you are are talking about. It's you know what are we going to make for dinner, is not a question that you should even have to you know tiptoe into um, to approach her. Like oh shit, I'm going to ask her what she wants for dinner. I don't know where this dinner. is going to go. And in saying that, the audat like the craziness of that is that it actually can happen even with a question like that which it's taken to an extreme where nothing is is okay and 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 which makes the woman feel like why are you acting like you can't talk ask me anything it's ridiculous i feel like i feel like we need to like have conversations with each other where we're actually open and honest that's the only way we can get to the bottom of any issue you have to you have to be aware of it right so if i'm coming across a certain way and i always do this and no one mentions it if i'm not aware of it i i'm i it's going to be harder for me to change it mm -hmm. absolutely so but I, it also I, has to be motive in space shakira sorry i didn't um, also has to be motive and safe space. I don't care how aware you are. If I don't know you from a can of paint and I don't know what your motive is in relationship to me, I'm not telling you yeah. nothing. Like, of course, I understand conversation. that. I understand. I, I can respect that. Uh, Hill Harper, the actor, um, wrote a book called The Conversation. And um, it's so cool. Is it good? Mm -hmm. I haven't read it myself, but there's a quote where he says, if we don't start addressing the issues between black men and black women, we bear witness to the destruction of the black family. I won't stand by and be silent, he says. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we're also like, we're struggling to be ourselves, but then we also have to present ourselves in a certain way which is, it's challenging because it's like you're fighting yourself. How do I be myself and be true and honest to myself, but I have to present myself in a certain way to be accepted by mm. my peers or other uh, yes. Black people? Oh my gosh, that is so mm. important what you're saying. And it speaks to what W.E.B. Dubois talks about when he talks about double consciousness. Um we have to be both ourselves and someone else at the same time. And we're, we're aware of doing that. So when we try to be or, or act authentically, we're also aware that we're betraying ourselves by trying to show up in a conversation in a way that is less threatening, more, yeah. more appeasing, more timid. And not true to yourself. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I mean, Boogie talks about it all the time that, his, his goal in, in a lot of this is to be able to just be. Um, it's also yeah. my goal to be able to just be, but I, I'm recognizing the hypocrisy in the way in which I show up and it being not taken as I'm giving it, or maybe I'm not seeing something, but I definitely feel like I present a particular way and it's being received differently than my intention. And, um, mm -hmm. and it doesn't all have to do with something about me personally, which is, when, when the topic is about dissecting black female interactions with ourselves, with others, um, 
that interaction with myself has to be, okay, what is my meditation? I had a bad interaction with someone. Which parts of that is for me? Which parts of that is for them? And how can I become better to move on? And that honesty, like when we have our conversations, um, I think Hill Harper also talks about how we bring our, our advocate or somebody to speak for us in the conversation. It's not always just us. We present this idea. And I think it protects us from things like shame, um, which I always bring up in, in Dre's room when he's talking about relationships with people. There's just something about the way in which we interact with each other where we go into protecting ourselves, as Shannon just said, because she may not know you and she may not feel safe to express who we truly are um, in an interaction. And often I've had an experience where black men have made me feel or I have felt shame as a result of my interactions when I've been vulnerable. And I would hope mm. that vulnerability would be um, supported by a man who says he's looking out for my best interests. Um, mm -hmm. Right? So I don't know. It, but, he's, but then that man may also be going through his own double consciousness and we don't know how to interact with that because we're both coming at it from places of pain. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like with humility and self-reflection, my other question was actually, what things have you noticed? Did you want to say something? Um, um, what things have you noticed or need to be in place to have a safe and respectful conversation using that as a launch point from what I was just talking about? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> good. What, you want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> I would say for me, it's... It, Say the question one more time before I answer to make sure I'm answering this right. Okay. Mm -hmm. What things have thank you. What things have you noticed to that need to be in place in order to have a safe and respectful conversation? Um it's almost like you need to have some ground rules. Like, um, and I will give mad shout outs to John and Betty Sanders, my aunt and uncle. Um, when I lived in Dallas, whenever there was something, especially when there was a problem. Um, we would always sit at the table and we would pray. And I was like, and I felt it was almost funny, but it was so sweet at the same time. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm about to get a whooping <laughs> and I was an adult, <laughs> but I knew that the conversation was about to be therapeutic and beneficial. And, you know, maybe some things that neither one of us liked was going to be addressed, but there was also going to be some healing to take place. But that was in context of right relationships. So, um, and that's why I keep going back to communication really only can be effective in right relationship. When people actually get who you are as a person or are mm -hmm. trying to understand who you are as a person, um, they want to do relationship right with you. So they're going mm -hmm. to pay attention to how you communicate, whether it's verbally or non-verbally. They're going to pay attention to your body language and all the cues that you emit. Um, they're going to ask those questions. Um, they're going to be both accountable and responsible to you in relationships. So for me, regardless of color, regardless of gender, um, and regardless of what type of relationship it is, um, I need someone who is not going to hold every flaw or error against me, but will grow with me and go with me as I learn how to challenge myself past the flaw or error that they may say I presented. Um, 
and give me permission to do the same. Is there a limit for to how many errors or, or strikes that person can have? Because I mean, when you're no, trying, okay, we're human. 70 times no, seven, no. 70 times seven. No. I mean, it's going to be more than that. That's only 490. If you said seven times 70, Every um, I'm sure I'm sure I've already passed that number. Um, <laughs> every day, not just over a lifetime, every day. I'll just be an honor. I have my own list of flaws and errors. But I just think, like, I'll give an example because she's on here. Tracy and I, and, you know, she gave her disclaimer, light skin, green eyes. And, of course, you see me and I am not. But we are in right relationship with one another because we have a mutual love for one, wanting to see the best version of the other person. Um, we're not in competition with each other. Um, we love each other as sisters and friends. Um, so whatever happens in our lives, we are able to one, say, hey, yo, you was tripping and point out what that looks like. And then, you know, if you need to dissect it, pray over it, laugh over it, cuss over it, cry over it, whatever the case may be, that safe space is created because we've done relationship right with each other. You know, we're not perfect people, but we have a perfect relationship to do life together. I love but that. Some people can't. I, I know. I, me too. I love that. But I feel like some people just like are not able to do that. Like, right. you know, you're just just not able to do that. And it differs. Or they're afraid to be honest and like talk and that's about. Why I said that he will. It has to be humility, Shakira, and it is not easy. That you no. have to be vulnerable with someone. Um, a lot of times, and that culture extends itself. We live on such a shallow and surface level, and people don't mm -hmm. want to go deeper. Um, I remember when I first moved to Dallas. I joined a life group and people said, what do you look to get out of this? I said, I'm gonna be honest. I'm looking for authentic and transparent relationships. If I'm not getting those, I don't want the relationship. If I'm not adding value and substance to your life, I should not be in your life. And so that has always been my motto and my mantra. And so when I engage people, I tell them off jump. I'm not just looking to go out and kick it with you and have fun with you and, you know, smoke, drink and have sex with you or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I am looking to get to know you better as a human being. What are your goals? What are your hobbies? Mm -hmm. What are your fears? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? Mm -hmm. What makes you grow? What do you enjoy? What is your insight on life? How are you, you know, building yourself up as a person? What are you investing in? Not just money, but things, people, mm -hmm. places. What is your goal for life? How are you blessing humanity with your spirit? And so I don't want to just get to know you as L.A. or Shakira or Ace. I want to know where you came from, what your family dynamics mm -hmm. look like, what your trauma is. I share is. that. Because I share that's that. important. Because then when I see that your self-care practice may be not legit for the day, I can say, hey, what's going on? Opposed to the standard, you okay? And then, of course, exactly. you respond. You don't know each other. Yeah, I'm okay. Mm -hmm which is a lie exactly i was talking to somebody about this this week are you gonna expand <laughs> i was, was like good to you that was good that was really good that was deep so what i wanted to ask you shannon as follow-up is that do you find that that can exist within your relationships with women black women and other women but does it does it change at all in the dynamics when dealing with black men, white men, um, 
men that hold positions of power? Yes, go ahead. Look, okay, well, God is good. <laughs> all of, all of uh, Rachel, and I'm going to just give the name so you can get the context. Rachel, Aaron, Audrey, Tracy, Kendra, Crystal, Nikki, Rochelle. Am I missing somebody? You don't want to then you okay, might. Okay, so <laughs> these are 20 plus year relationships. And they're all black women. And wow. there is an investment there. Um, and two of them actually they're 12 years. But there is a there is an investment there. There is um an understanding, there are boundaries, there um, and again, going back to right relationship, we have done right relationship together for a very long time. And mm-hmm. um there is something about the practice of really truly wanting to be in somebody's life not for what they can do for you but just because of who they are that is important to me um i put in mad work in my relationship with black women because i value the relationship with black women um on the other end of that spectrum i have the ability to engage black men but i can count two that I have 20 plus year relationships with. The rest of them, they come into my life and go out of my life like the wind. Um, And I've heard the spectrum of things, you know, you too deep for me or you too spiritual for me. Are you you for real? Someone said that to you? (laughs) Honey, (laughs) honey, listen. Look, if I was Kate, if I was actually- How can somebody- Okay, sorry. That's unfair of me to say that, but- I, I think that goes to a greater issue of what people have been challenged to do in their life. Um, not that I'm trying to, to marry all the men that have come in my life, but I do want to get to know you past this surface that you have created with other people. And I always give the disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I'm not like anybody else you've met. Of course, mm-hmm. that could be used against you. But the truth is, I know who I am. I've always been told I was different. Mm-hmm. I've always been told I dig a little deeper than most people. My mama says it's slightly nosy, but she appreciates that I've always been who I've been. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Um, I don't want to engage you on a, on a shallow level because I'm not a shallow person. I don't care about your portfolio. I want to know about your heart. I want to know what's in your soul. I want to know... Um, what level of integrity and character you have. And if we can then be in relationship together, whatever that relationship is, because none of my friends are just shallow people. Like my circle is very small, but it's also been intact for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I wouldn't trade it for I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like people say all the time, well, how can you just pack up and move? Of course, my friends are scattered all over the country now, but I could pick up my phone today and call any one of them and pick up wherever we left off. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, that is beautiful. Yeah, that is really lovely. Thank I, you. I think Canadian Black women could learn a lot from the relationships um, of yeah. American Black women. It's, and it's, and it's not true. all, because it we is, do not, We are. it is not all uh, LA, because we were just having this conversation. When we did the 24 hour broadcast, I was trying to get my quote unquote brothers, which is a group of us four women, 
um, Audrey, Rachel, Aaron, and myself on the podcast mm -hmm. so we can talk about our relationship because people say all the time, how are y'all still friends? Now, <laughs> mind you, those people are my cousins and we've known each other our whole lives, but mm -hmm. our friend circle, they were like, you guys have expanded. I became friends with Audrey when I was 17 and I'm 19 years later. So it's like, um, it's just, we have made it a priority. You know, you hear that statement, people make time for what's important to them. These friendships mm -hmm. were important to us. These friendships then became family. So family became a priority. And regardless of what you're doing in life, yeah, we all have jobs. Some of us have families. Some of us have spouses. You know, some of us have, you know, things that we're doing that are pulling us in 29 different directions, but we still make time to connect with the family. And sometimes we'll do a group chat and say, hey, when's our next conference call? Or, hey, are we getting together for so-and-so's barbecue or so-and-so's wedding or so-and-so's baby shower or whatever the case may be? You know, we don't see each other all the time, but when we see each other, we make it count. When we talk, we don't waste words. Um, and I think that's that has to deal with having right relationship with people. When you have right relationship with people, man, the, the sky is the limit. Like, life gets real in right relationships. For sure. Um, mm -hmm. You can be cry and a good laugh all in the course of a conversation. For sure. I think, Boogie, you wanted to say something? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I like, I definitely agree with everything that uh, Shannon is, is saying. I think the right relationship is, is beautiful. Um, and, and, and talking about relationships as well and dissecting the, like, the black women, I actually want to know what are your thoughts, you ladies' thoughts on the future of the black family um, and the role of, like, I guess, um, the, the women and uh, like how our families look like. What is the role of um, women? Kira, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm a mother. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of responsibility is placed on, like, no matter what color you are, I feel like when you have a child, a lot of the responsibility is placed on the mother. Mm -hmm. um, so that I feel like if there are no dads, and I think dads are so important, I don't understand when... Um, people just or whatever you know i i just i i think that's crazy because for a child to be balanced and understand and and know who they are there needs mm -hmm. to be both parents i don't know <laughs> i don't really know how like what to say the role um is going forward but we we definitely um we play a big role in our kids lives where our kids look to us to nurture them educate them nourish them grow them and make them strong people that are good people in society and just good people overall so there's there's really a lot i feel like it's a big role to be um, a mother in this society because you got to teach your kids a lot. You got to teach them not to put up with people calling them names. Like my, someone called my son the N word at school the other day. 
And I had to go and address that. And it was hurtful to me. It was hurtful to my seven-year-old son who didn't deserve that. Um, so, yeah. I don't know what more I can say to that right now. Thank you. I just want to acknowledge Simone in the room. I don't know how much time you have here with us. So if you want to just quickly just say who you are, what you do, and maybe answer the question that Boogie had posed. Okay. I wish I had more time. I'm so I'm like all over the place today, everybody. But I still wanted to stop in and, and say hi to everyone. And when it comes to relationships, I just want to throw this in there. Um, I do a lot of work with in mental health in the community. And one thing I see a lot of is uh, a lot of people not dealing with um, their trauma and bringing their un, unsettled trauma. And I mean trauma from when you were children, the relationships you have with your parents, all of that coming into your relationships. And then you wonder why the relationships don't work. And I mean, when I say relationships, I mean men and women. For some women, since we're talking about sisterhood, they don't have very good relationships with their mothers for whatever reason. And you'll see that play out in the relationships they have with other women. Uh, when it comes to women and men, that's obvious, the whole daddy issue thing that can come up. But when it comes to relationships in general, I really think that a lot of us need to work on ourselves a lot more before we even attempt to co-join with anybody else. Because if you're, if you're dancing That's with true. someone else's demons and your demons don't dance very well, it's an ugly, ugly, ugly scene. So. Mm -hmm. I don't want to dance with somebody's demons. Wait, 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 don't go yet. Wait, this is a follow-up. How do, how do people who have two demons that are dancing together, how can, even, how can we think about the Black family when they're not even able to deal with those two things? They're, they're pro the two demons are procreating little demons then. And that's the problem. And that's the thing though. This is what's happening. That's what's happening. And then we have our younger ones who grow up again, seeing these demons dance and these demons that come out sometimes, these younger ones are fierce. So you see it even stronger. And that's what this whole transgenerational trauma, there's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes yeah. to a person knowing their psychology. Our black family has broken mm -hmm. down because of obviously a lot of the external things that have happened to us, but we have to stop playing the victim and start really taking care and taking responsibility for our own actions and start there. That's for me. For me, yeah. when it comes to relationships, I've had to take accountability for myself because I can't control that other person. Their demons are their demons, their issues are their issues. I gotta just take care of me and make sure that I'm being the best person I can be within that relationship. Not trying to be perfect, we're not perfect, but being the best me and that means yeah. working on myself every single day and when I'm working with that person understanding that they do have demons and they can't be the way we want them to be all the time not in any and again when I say relationships I'm speaking men and women because with a lot of us how we treat our men even too is sometimes how we treat our relationships we're like oh we don't have good girlfriends I don't have any girlfriends well why don't you have girlfriends have you ever realized maybe it might be you you might be the problem but yeah. that we like to point fingers them, them, and we can't trust them. Come on, yeah. Simone. I think I like it. Did you have a follow-up question for Simone before she jumps out and leaves us? <laughs> uh, um, as a as a, <coughs> as a black woman, like, what do you think of um, black masculinity? The state of black masculinity. Oh, listen. So let me start on that. Men are wearing tighter pants than me, so that's the number one problem. <laughs> 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 Why are your pants 
<laughs> Why are me and you both wearing skinny jeans? Stop this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> That's what I think about men and masculinity. Put on some bigger pants. Why are your pants so tight? I'm sorry. It's just this this whole like metro sag. I don't know what and then they sag their pants too. And I'm like, how are you sag no like pants? The metrosexuals, it's not the metrosexuals that are the problem. Mm. Like I feel like they just I feel like some men just take it too far with the Euro. Like <laughs> they they want to do like hybrid euro and it's like they don't realize that we're just i look at a man like that and i'm like mm. yeah it's not, not i can wear your jeans i can wear your jeans i can no i i, I don't even think your jeans can fit me I like, I can't my ball will fit in them oh my god so good. okay sorry sorry really quickly to finish that so i'm gonna get out of here um our men are under attack and us as black women, I'm gonna say this, we need to understand that they're under attack and we have to support them in, not, not um, condone their behavior, nor do we encourage their behavior, but we do have to support them knowing that they are under attack and in everything about them, their masculinity, um, their day-to-day -day struggles and getting jobs. This is something that is just happening to our men and we have to find a way to support them better. They're, some of them are just idiot and we know that, but like that's our, if you have an idiot in your life, that's your choice. Okay, but okay, as a follow up, just on the reverse side, because this conversation is about women, how can they mm -hmm. support us also? That was my follow up. Um, because, and, they, and I, I think what we talked about last week was, was that they need to support us where we are, not with what they think we need. Mm -hmm. They can only provide us balance because they're not men. They're never going to support us the way that we, all, all the ways we need because they're men. They don't know how to do that. That's why we have sisters. Because right. what they can but can't they be taught? Can't they learn to do that? Mm. Uh, you know what? It, it, I think they can support us again to an extent, but because they are of the male gender, they are different from us. There's certain things they're not going to be mm -hmm. able to do for us, and this is why sisterhood is so important. Because those things that they can't do, we should be able to get from our sisters. Like I, I don't expect that from men. They, they they've disappointed me mm -hmm. <laughs> often. It's like I have a different opinion. Like I, I have a different opinion. I Aaron. feel like I feel like if a man really loves and cares about you know, whatever baggage you've got, he's gonna stick by you and help you figure it out. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and like whatever if if I'm having an issue with something and I need you to treat me a certain way I should be able to have a conversation with him about that and we we talk about it and dismantle it and figure out how to make it work for both of us how has that worked for you so far mm. it's worked it has worked yes okay and you have man has Sorry? it never no. worked you got an anomaly, girl. It works for me too. I'm right where you are. No, because but I had to come to a place where I I could I accepted like my own baggage and my own issues and you know some things about myself that um were may not have necessarily been like the easiest things to deal with. Like I had to come to a realization and address some issues before I was grown up in my mind enough 
to go there. But you did so hard on yourself. Yeah, and that's why yeah, it works. Of course. When yeah. men say things like, <laughs> oh, when I breathe, it's, it's bad. Or when a woman says, um, I'm just being honest, that triggers the man into be like, oh, here we go. And when we get that, oh, here we go, then it becomes about something totally different than what we're probably even talking about in the disagreement or misunderstanding. But those are the things that we got to work on individually. So I'm conscious of your time, mm -hmm. Simone. I do not want to um, do that to you where I keep you in the room. I know you're doing something really important. And I am very thought grateful for you coming in. Thank you, Shannon. You. I didn't hear from you. Hi. Oh, nice Shannon. Hi. Do you want to say something to Shannon? I appreciate you. And yeah. I'm very happy that you were able to find that with somebody. Uh, I think that person came with a certain level of maturity himself anyways, to be open to learn. Well, that's kind of cool, mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen very often, right? And it's cool when you do get that. I have that myself, so that's always wonderful. But a person has to be open or you're wasting your time, right? Mm -hmm. Ladies, okay, thank you so much for allowing me to come in and have my you time. Too. And thank you to Candice for allowing you in. Hi, Candice. Thank you for allowing me. Nice seeing you again. Okay. Bye, Simone. Bye, Simone. Candice, feel free to come back if you want. Um, Shannon, did you want to speak to any of what just happened? Um, I mean, I think it was all valid points. I mean, I can't speak from experience of what they're speaking on or what they spoke on because yeah. I have not had right relationship with a man like. Yeah. Would you say that? Um, would you say that there? Where would you say the breakdown is? Like that? What happens? Why aren't? Why are we not able? Many of us aren't able to have right relationships with men. Is there something that we can look at within ourselves to say how are we showing up in that space that is hurting mm -hmm. it, or what are you seeing in there and how they are that's hurting it? I think it depends. I mean, for me, um, and I had said this in a previous podcast, I think for a long time and long time, meaning my twenties, I was attracted to men who were like my father. That's not a good thing. And, um, a lot of them were emotionally unavailable. Um, and I don't want that. Like if you can mm -hmm. be emotionally available with me, then we don't need to be together. Cause clearly I love to act, assess all my emotions. Um, and to further engage someone knowing that there's something that you don't want is a detriment to the both of you. So I've chose not to be that person. Um, and when I pay attention to somebody, like if I'm attracted to somebody, one of the first questions I ask myself or I ask out loud is who sent them? You know, because the same way heaven can send folks, so can hell. I need to know where you came from. I want to know why you were here. What what value are you bringing to my life, or what are you trying to devalue in my life? Um, and you should always look at your traumas. You know, my, having the relationship that I have with my father is part of the reason why I interact with men the way I do. Um, and so I ask myself a lot of questions in engaging men, but for the most part, it's because I've always been, as my mother calls it, she calls me an old lady. Um, I've always been like an old spirit. I've, oh, yes, pretty much. Um, I've always been beyond my years. Like, 
the things that mm-hmm. I was people were doing at 20s, I didn't want to do that. I want to do something different. Or, you know, now that I'm at the age that I am now, based on where I live, people are like, well, why aren't you out in the community? I'm like, I don't want to hang out with them people. Like, that's not where I'm at. That's not what I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's who they are and that's what they want to do, I'm here for that. I support you. Yeah. But I'm not doing it. Um and I just don't have time. I'm dating with purpose. I'm I'm engaging people in relationship with pur- I'm not looking for just homies. Like I want true friendships. I want true long lasting relationships. So men, women, doesn't matter. I'm not I ain't got time for no mess. And sometimes when you tell people who you are and then you show them that, that can be a scary thing because then that gives them the opportunity. And a lot of times they don't want the opportunity to show you who they really are. Right. Wow. Or they're afraid. Do you that's ever think sometimes scary. that they're afraid? Of course. I had a guy tell me I scared him. Oh my god. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, you know, because like with all of that, because you're you're very like open and honest, like a lot of people, I hate to say it, are used to people just being fake. So when they come across a real person that like actually wants things out of life, then to spend like five minutes with you in whatever situation, like it's scary to them because like they don't know. It's like frightening. They don't know how to uh, how to handle that or what to do with it. It's too much work. We need to work on that. It's too much work to be anything other than myself. So I had to learn at a very young age that this is what you're going to get. You don't like it, that's your problem. But I'm not about to make any apologies for who I am. I'm going to be authentic, and I want you to to help me and watch me and show me, you know, ways to improve on my flaws, to improve on my errors. But I'm trying to be the best version of myself always. And I know mm-hmm. that I fall short in some areas, and I'm willing to get constructive criticism about that. And to even be adamant to say, this is who I am and I'm working on that. Not saying this is who I am, so you better just get over it. No, this is who I am. Allow me to grow in the maturity of who I am as a person and develop new things in my character. So I won't always be this flawed person in this area. Oh my gosh. I want you to find that guy. Like, I want you to find him. (laughs) Yes, you too, Candice. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I want to find him too. Yeah. Look, I'm, 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 like I said last week, uh, LA relationships is looking real in my life. And I'm okay with that at this point. As long as I can eat tacos, travel the world. <laughs> well, I'm believing for something different. I'm believing that if I'm supposed to be with the right person, it will be very clear and confirmed by, by my father. So. I'm believing for Hey, you. I'm here for that for you. I got a poem when you do. Okay, awesome. I think, Boogie, um, it's that time, right? Yes, yes, it's that time. Like, um, I would like to, first of all, um, thank all you ladies for participating and everybody in, in the chat room as well. But before we go, I just want uh, the people out there to know how to reach each um, individual that's in, that's in here. So um, we'll start off with um, Shannon. How can people reach you? Well, I am the same name across all platforms, Twitter, IG, and Facebook, Shannon Ford, like the president, hyphen Jefferson, like the president, and there's only one, so you'll find me. 
Um, <laughs> I am also a published author. I write poetry. All of my books, there are five of them, can be found on Amazon.com under the same name, under the same name, Shannon Ford Jefferson. And then I'm on a podcast tomorrow night with Kente Ferguson, um, Mars and Venus, Men and Women Talk, um, 6 p.m. Pacific Central Time, and then I mean, Standard Time, and then 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On oh, wow. I'm be there. On this platform. On YouTube. I'll send you the link. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And this? Can people reach you if they wanted to? Well, if you feel comfortable, give that information. <laughs> well, you can reach me. I'm on Instagram. I'm Green Eyed Lady two two two, and basically, or you could just email me, um, which is I'm at uh, my personal email. Well, we have so many emails now these days that are connected <laughs> to so many different things. I'm like, um, right? So many. So it's a uh, sidorukc at gmail.com and. Yeah, or you can find me on Facebook under Candice uh, Sidaruk. You're you're on LinkedIn, right? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Yes. No, I'm only bringing up LinkedIn for you because I know that you are on the prospect for a new position, and if you want to just briefly say what would be ideal for you, because maybe somebody is listening that may help you. Um, ideal position for me would be uh, working in. A community set well in a corporate social social responsibility setting, pretty much. Yes, yeah. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shakira. Um, okay, so I'm not really one for like social media. I, I barely check my Facebook, like barely ever. Uh, Instagram, like I'm, I'd be more on Instagram. So I think my Instagram, you know what? Just email me, Quarry Ramona, Q U A R R I E R A Y M O N A at gmail.com. Amazing. And us, well, you can find us on Instagram at the Elephant Room TV. Uh, so I hope we're not, um, hooked on phonics. It's, um, <laughs> It's as it's supposed to be spelled. <laughs> T-H-E-E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T-R-O-O-M-T-V on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And, and individually? And individually. So my own is on Instagram at Mike, spelled M as in Mike, I-C as in Charlie, underscore truth, T as in Tango, R-U-T-H. And that's on Instagram. And um, for yourself, Elaine? I'm, I'm at LA Wade 6 on Twitter. I am, this is LA Wade on Instagram. And um, I go by the same LA Wade on Facebook. So this was a really great conversation. I'm really grateful to all of you who time chimed in, to the beautiful women in the room, um, meeting the squares. Uh, thank you to Kinte, who uh, always holds us down with the engineering aspect and helping me and, and Boogie navigate through Get Vocal. Um, just Dre, because he is great, and all of the other people in the room yeah. that hold us down every week. We're yeah. so grateful. And um, the, final, the final one for this, this uh, month is uh, next Sunday, where we're gonna do not a live town hall, um, but we're going to do kind of a town hall with all of you where we where we will review social media stories from 
R. Kelly and Michael Jackson to other political figures in the media. We'll bring you some Canadian perspective where we had an MP who has um, left par Parliament because of an argument with the Prime Minister. Um, mm -hmm. an, indigenous, an Indigenous woman, the first Indigenous woman, I'd like to mention. So there's, there's some drama going on in Canadian politics. And so we'll, we'll mm -hmm. dissect some of those things also. And it will be great to have you there. Um, thank you so much. And and with that, we wrap it up. Thank Feel you. Feel free to stay in your chat, but we out. <laughs> okay. It was nice meeting all of you. Nice meeting. <laughs>